presented by the Florida Business Journals and brought to you by Tico People's Gas at the heart of Florida's energy. In this episode, South Florida Business Journal Editor-in-Chief Mel Melendez highlights the massive impact of the marine industry on Florida's economy. Nobody better than Phil Purcell, CEO of the Marine Industries Association of South Florida, to give us the download. Thanks for joining us on the latest edition of Florida Business Minds. I invited you to be my guest because South Florida has one of the strongest marine industries of any area, with Fort Lauderdale even dubbed the yachting capital of the world. So as the head of MIASF, a trade group launched to grow and promote the sector, I thought, who better to discuss how this juggernaut of an industry impacts our overall economy than you? So let's get started. Can you briefly explain uh, the Marine Industries Association of South Florida's mission and its connection to the Fort Lauderdale International Boat Show? Sure. Briefly with me, as you know, is a little t- tough sometimes. The, uh, so it was founded in 61. It was done to, uh, to make sure it stewarded and promoted the advocacy and education of the industry and, the, and more importantly, the communities that it serves. So it's, it's done for the benefit of the members. And then that rolls into the communities in terms of if they're successful, the communities that we work in are successful. You know, you use advocacy, obviously, on the local, state, and federal level. And then we use education. Education could be everything from salty jobs to the plywood regatta that we do, to the waterway cleanup, to elevator pitches. You know, we give scholarships away in the local schools. And those scholarships will carry those kids all the way through college. Uh, we started an award-winning series, a video series called Salty Jobs, because we found out that the kids today, this is where they're at. And so showing up at a at a work fair with a with a desk, with a black cloth of it and a squishy ball and a pen that said Marine Industry Association wasn't going to get the job done. So we do video. We're, we just did our 40th episode and it works. I know they're great videos. And can you explain a little bit your connection to the Fort Lauderdale International Boat Show? The Marine Industry Association of South Florida owns the Fort Lauderdale International Boat Show. Mm-hmm. And Informa is the producer. Informa is a global producer of trade shows around the globe. Uh, and they're a wonderful partner in this, as have been two previous uh, companies. And uh, the association is very proud of that. As you know, the benefit that it brings to the community, both on a local state level, is huge. And you also speak a little bit about how South Florida's marine industry has changed and grown over the years. Yeah. So, you know, think of it this way. Think of South Florida. When you think of, you know, go back in the 60s and 70s, it was a seasonal place, right? Not a lot of infrastructure. People would come down, they'd rock on a porch, look at the water. And all of a sudden, you know, the materials of boats changed, too. They used to be wood. And then they became aluminum, steel, and composite. And as that changed, our industry listened and grew. And, and people like, you know, the Harrison family and the Ward family got together. And that's why the association was started. But what it's also helped is the elected officials that have held different offices, both on the state, county, and local level. That's made a huge difference. So when you think of Instagram today, the old Instagram, believe it or not, Bob Cox and his peers back then, who was the mayor of Fort Lauderdale, used to take a cardboard sign, go up to Annapolis or something, come to Fort Lauderdale, come down here and see what it's about. Look what it is. And their Instagram can cite, you know, can, was part of a Polaroid camera and a Kodak camera at the end of the day. But that grew it to what today in Broward County is a $9.7 billion industry that employs over 120,000 people. Uh, FLIBS, you know, gives an economic benefit to the state from the 2021 show of a billion eight and did $899 million of direct sales in that show, $173 million a day. You know, so when you think of how it's grown, think of State Road 84, which is now called Marina Mile. Think of Bob Rossioli, which, you know, Rossioli's was acquired by One Water. Think of the Denison family. Think of the Wards family, Wards Marine Electric, Frank and Jimmy's Propellers. Mm-hmm. That's how it became the yachting capital of the world. 
Now, economic challenges often spark new trends, and sometimes those trends are negative trends. Uh, for example, during COVID-19, certainly the pandemic slowed various sectors over the past few years, but the exact opposite happened to boating. Can we chat a little bit about why you think that is? Sure. So when COVID, you know, when March started coming along and we started seeing what was happening, our industry just looked at it and goes, oh my God, here comes 2008, right? The whole world shutting down. And in 2008, we're a resilient industry, but it kicked our butts and we made it through it, but it, it hurt everybody, right? Hurt housing, hurt a lot of different things, hurt our sector, hurt financial markets. And so we thought it was the same thing. We thought, you know, hey, sell the house, sell the dog, move in the back of the station wagon and weather through this. And all of a sudden in May, our industry's phone started ringing. And we sat with the electeds then, you know, on the county and city level and then on the state level and said, you know, how do we remain essential? Because you can't park a hundred foot boat and come back to it six months or two years later. It needs daily care. It needs to have crew on there. It needs maintenance, things like that. And so we worked, it became essential. And then all of a sudden flibs came up. So you think of 2020, right? The whole world shut down. And there was a big thing, should we do flibs or shouldn't we do flibs? And the real problem was we didn't know in the back end of COVID was, and how are we gonna do it safely? And that's where Informa came in strong. They, again, do global trade shows in the Far East, in Asia, in Europe, everywhere. And so they came up with a plan, you know, social distancing, masks, temp, all the things, sanitation. And we did a very reduced show, but had a very good show in 2020, but more importantly, gave the template and kind of like the franchisable model to take to any event and use it safely so that can people can feel safe. Because we took, our industry took COVID very safely. When you go in any of our yards or any of our facilities, people were temp checked, wearing masks, sanitation, and they were working on boats. How much did you benefit, you know, from the folks that realized during containment that they were going um, like stir crazy and, hey, wait, I can get out on a boat with my family and friends and that's a little bit more. Yeah. So again, it really surprised us. In 2021, we had almost 30% year over year growth, which was huge, almost untenable at the end of the day. So it took inventories. They went away, right? Normally a dealer, let's say they stocked 20 boats and they that's for the whole year. All of a sudden between May and October, they all went away. And so then the manufacturers that create these boats around the country, some of them were essential. Some of them had to shut down because of state laws and stuff and didn't allow people to work. But regardless, our industry kept plugging through it. And the result is, look, we're very grateful uh, in terms of the economic benefit, but we're also, you know, the harm that was done to people losing their lives, we're very sensitive to. But equally important, we became a better industry out of it. And we are today, you know, we've learned from 08 and other times and other recessions, hey, save the cash, plan for the future, nothing lasts forever. Anytime you get high energy and inflation and stuff, it affects every industry and it will affect us at the end of the day also. The South Florida Business Journal recently wrote a story on the many local marine businesses that have been acquired as a blade or who are making acquisitions themselves. So can we talk a little bit about why you think that is and and how it benefits the industry? Sure. That trend was happening before COVID, but when COVID happened, it accelerated. And so you had private equity and entrepreneurs, you had public companies and, and companies like uh, Boat Owners Warehouse and Lewis Marine and American Custom Yachts in Stewart, Florida. Um, they were acquired by a guy named Brooke Smith. Brooks owns a company called Imcon up in Atlanta. So if you use gift cards or anything else, he's the back end of SunPass, Medicare and everything. And he's a boater. And he says, I'm going to buy into this industry because I think I can make it better through technology and just some other things and some different SOPs. And so he invested. Companies like Marine Max stepped up and, and they bought, you know, Nautical Ventures. They bought IGY Marinas, uh, Intrepid Boats down in the Keys. 
you know, uh, another public company, One Water, bought Denison Yachts. They bought Rossioli's shipyard. Yeah. So you've made all these investments that happen. Pathfinder up in Fort Pierce. It totaled over almost two and a half billion dollars, Mel, and it continues to this day. Right. And so what they look at, whether it's private equity, public companies or entrepreneurs, is we're a class A investment. If you have a big boat, you cannot just park it somewhere and put mothball it at the end of the day. In South Florida, there's five boats for every one slip. So the big opportunity is here. When you see a, a 50 meter boat, 164 foot boat sitting somewhere at the dock, there's three and a half million dollars being spent. It's like a little company sitting there with the 10 crew members on it, right? And the fuel and the dockage and what work they get done. The bigger you go, the more thing. Average boat, 70 to 80 feet, they're spending, you know, three, 400 grand, depending on what they're getting done on an annual basis. And that's big for South Florida. So it creates all the jobs. It's why Broward County out of the 12 and a half billion in this region, why it leads it. Yeah, can we talk a little bit about that? You know, about the number of jobs that are supported and it creates and and the ancillary spending that comes with that. Yeah, so I think if you look at it this way, think of the global thing. So on a federal level, on a national level, it's a $45 billion industry. Okay, now let's break it down to Florida. Florida, it's a $25 billion industry. When you break it down between Palm Beach and Miami, it's a $12.5 billion industry. Of that, 9.7 in Broward County, which is a huge number at the end of the day. So 100, you know, in Broward, it's 120 plus thousand jobs. Regionally, it's 149,000 jobs. Uh, we pay 16% higher than the state average on average. The nice thing about it, if you want to be a blue collar guy like me, you can learn some trade skills, work as an AC guy, start your own company, get a few vans, and all of a sudden you're a seven-figure company. If you want to be on the professional side, wear a sport coat and tie, you can be an attorney, an accountant, or other things in our industry. And if you want to be an entrepreneur, there's no better industry because most of our industry is comprised of moms and pops. Phil Purcell joining us. Next, he shares what makes each of Florida's boating markets unique as Florida Business Minds continues. People's Gas. Through its innovation and infrastructure investment, People's Gas has maintained safe and reliable delivery of natural gas to homes and businesses since 1895. More about People's Gas at the heart of Florida's energy at floridasenergy.com. What do you think makes South Florida's marine sector different to others? And because we have other business journals across the state, what do you see as the chief differences or similarities of the boating sectors in Tampa, Orlando, and Jacksonville compared to South Florida? Sure. So they're all great. What they don't have in particular is a river, a deep enough river to get boats up to, which we have an average depth of 12 feet as we go up. We got to do maintenance dredging on that as we go forward here. But that combined with good stewardship by the marine community, working with local leaders to make sure that we kept working waterfront was really important at the end of the day. And then continually investing in opportunities in our industry, whether it was at Broward College for ABYC program, at the Yacht Apprenticeship Program on the state level, the only one in the state. What you have is we're close to the Bahamas. You can get to New York or Chicago in under three hours, you know, via plane. We've got amazingly deep water. We've got a great skilled labor force and equally important, you know, when I look at Orlando, they, that recreational market's huge in Orlando and it's on lakes and rivers. When I go to Tampa, it's the same thing. Tampa has a little difference only because of depth behind homes and things like that and the shallowness of the Gulf. When people, if they want to keep their boats behind their house in, versus marinas, marinas now with the storms will probably get rebuilt to accommodate bigger vessels also. But Tampa is one of those markets that, you know, uh, is, is a wonderful market that continues to grow. 
Now, a lot has been written about companies from all sectors that are struggling to find talent. Has this also been a challenge for the marine industry? And what do you think needs to happen to turn that around? Oh, not at all. We're just loaded with people standing at the door. <laughs> no, we got a real problem there too. A lot of people look like me, so they're aging out, right? And if you're a mechanic and you know the, the institutional knowledge in these people's heads is huge. And so if they're a mechanic and they're bending over you know, an engine all day, we need younger people coming into it. That's why we did the, the thing at Broward College with ABYC. That's why we did the Yacht Apprenticeship Program. But, you know, Lori Wheeler, who's the vice president of the association, she runs the Yacht Apprenticeship Program. And the biggest thing there is, you know, there's a big shift in this country, finally, where college is a wonderful thing, but it's not for everyone and you don't have to incur debt. But if you want to make a six-figure income by working hard in this industry or become a world-class entrepreneur, you can do both. And we've proven that. All you have to do is, again, go up and down Marine 84, go to the yards as these some of these things have been acquired Again, it's that combination of using video through salty jobs to create the awareness, working with, now I think we have a new superintendent at Broward Schools, working with them so it pushes out on Beacon TV, pushes out in Palm Beach, pushes out in Miami. And this is replicable. Salty jobs doesn't have to be just us. It can be in, in Michigan. It could be in Washington. But we can give someone the template so they can be successful and not have to experience trial and error like we did to get to the 40th episode. Right. And since you mentioned your uh, the Yacht Service Technician Apprenticeship Program, can you talk a little bit about that? The deal there was to give people kind of like a 360 exposure over a two-year period where they get a certificate from the state that says they've completed, you know, X number of hours of the Yacht Apprenticeship Program. And by doing that, now what happens, it's different from others. The yards actually, or the businesses these people are already employed. Then they use their own personal time and or business time to come to class a few days a week and learn, you know, a painting sector, a fiberglass sector, a safety sector, you know, an OSHA safety sector. And by doing that, they're getting a better employee for it. They're getting, you know, hopefully insurance breaks because, again, they're being trained properly. And then putting them side by side with someone in those facilities, these people that are doing it, and the average age is in the 20s, these people are going to walk into careers that, the, that are going to pay really well. And if, if they have an entrepreneurial, if they don't have to, but they could, again, go get a van, start a business, have five people, and all of a sudden they're an entrepreneur making a great lifestyle. But regardless of that, our industry pays wages where you can buy a house, you can buy a car, you can go on vacation, you can put your kids in school. That's what it is. And it's a fun industry at the end of the day. It certainly is. Now, uh, because we're doing so well on time, um, I'm going to ask you, because I've always been curious about this, as many chats as we've had, I've never asked you this. How did you personally get into boating? <laughs> Through uh, trial and error and begging. And so, look, I answered a blind ad in the 90s for someone that, and back then, if you remember, you FedEx stuff around, right, at the end of the right. day. So there was this ad in the Wall Street Journal. It said, seasoned yacht professional, blah, 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 minimum five years experience. And I had the audacity of sending my resume in, and they had the audacity of answering me. <laughs> and, and so that was 1990. I needed a job. I mean, I had tried and failed as an entrepreneur in some sectors, not because of, uh, not be, you know why? I didn't listen. Quite honestly, I was young. I was in my early 20s, and I didn't listen. That said, accelerated in the 90s. He gave me a chance. He goes, when the gentleman hired me, he goes, why should I hire you? You didn't even, you know, you don't have any of this experience. I said, I'm going to get in this industry and I'm either going to work with you or work against you, but I'll be here. I promise you. 
Awesome. That's I was great. a kid that grew I grew up in Chicago. You know, uh, I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's not the warmest place in January and stuff. So you could dream. You'd sit there and look at magazines and you'd look at Cabela's and all these things that sell gear. And Sears, you know, they had Ted Williams motors and they had little aluminum boats. Man, my dream then was if I could get a Boston Whaler or aluminum, you know, 13 foot uh, boat and use it on a lake in Michigan someday or Chicago, I'm all in, you know. Nice. Well, thanks for sharing that because I had this thought in my mind, I meet a lot of people who are uh, avid boaters and they come from a, a, a long line of boaters um, in their family and that kind of things. So I Yeah, no, we, we spent our summers up in Michigan, Southwest Michigan on Little Lakes, had a great time. My parents were of average means and helped encourage us to, to live our dreams and, and we did. That's awesome. Well, Phil, thank you so much. I enjoyed chatting with you as usual. And um, I know our listeners are going to appreciate all of your insights. on I think has to be one of the coolest sectors in the state of Florida. So uh, be well. And also thanks to our listeners for tuning in today. Mel, thanks for what you're doing. Thanks again to Phil Purcell for joining us. And thank you for downloading Florida Business Minds, presented by the Florida Business Journals. And brought to you by Tico People's Gas at the heart of Florida's energy.